How's it going? Great. Good to see you. Um, glad you're here this morning. You know, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 16. And you know, what's interesting is you uh, think about what's happening in our world, in the chaos of the world right now. There's turmoil, there's uncertainty. And this is a bold statement, but I think it's really true that um, the only hope that this world has is the message and the mission that we are called to. That's the only hope the world has. We've been called to this, to this place at this time to deliver a message, and it's the only hope. You, you know, it's um, interesting, all through the Bible, you get this revelation of the spiritual battle. Matthew 16 is one of those places where you see the spiritual battle revealed. Daniel chapter 10, I don't know if uh, we've read that this year, and in Daniel 10, you have this really interesting moment as Daniel is rustling through God's vision that he's given him, and this angel, Michael, comes to him in Daniel 10. And it's interesting because this angel says, uh, hey, I, I, was, I was delayed 21 days because I was in a battle with the prince of Persia. We don't even know what that was. Um, and then he, he ministers to Daniel and he says, I got to go back and duke it out with the prince of Persia. Fascinating. Then, then you know, if, when you look at the Bible, you see God revealing as Jesus enters the world and, and you see this interaction with demons and, and demon-possessed people. And what you see in the Bible are, are these, these spiritual forces at work. And these demons are in complete submission to Christ. Not just the demons, but Satan himself. Luke 4 and Matthew 4 talk about when Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. And, and, and Satan is in complete submission to Christ. Acts 19, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, where um, the seven sons of Sceva uh, go and they're casting out demons and they come across that demon-possessed man and, and they say, hey, in the name of Jesus, come out. That demon-possessed man answers them and said, Jesus, I know. And I've heard about Paul, but who are you? So, so you see in the Bible this revelation of a real spiritual battle. And we understand this, like Ephesians 6, 6.12, that, that famous passage that says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible speaks of a real spiritual battle that is raging in the world. And in spite of that, the power of that darkness, the power of the spiritual battle, here's the thing, God's called us to be the church. And and you see in Matthew 16 that even the most evil gates of hell won't prevail against what God has called us to. Think about that. How cool is that? Now, um, Matthew 16 is this really interesting, it's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to visit in Israel. We went to Israel and visited this place called Caesarea Philippi. 
And if you ever go to Israel with us, if uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to go again. And, and, um, but, uh, but we went to Caesarea Philippi, which is kind of a hike. It's kind of a walk. It's kind of a journey. And, and it, I think we have a picture of it, of Caesarea Philippi. And it's a, a really cool place to visit. This is, uh, it's fascinating because Jesus travels to this place. And if you follow college football, he, in my view, he kind of makes this Deion Sanders-ish kind of proclamation of, I'm coming, if you saw that, okay? Deion Sanders said, I'm coming. This, Jesus kind of says this at this moment, and it's a little bit uh, chippy. And, and I love it because Jesus basically says, to, announces to the spiritual darkness, hey, uh, my church is coming. And then he just flat out punches them in the mouth, which I love that about Matthew 16. So he's starting the church. And, and I want you to stand with me. And we're going to read Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. And as we read this, here's what I want you to look for. I want you to look for Peter's famous confession. He makes a famous confession here. I also want you to look for the establishment of the church. I want you to notice the spiritual battle that is revealed. And then I want you to kind of process the mission of the church, because you see it right here. Our mission that we're called to. Now, after I read the text, we're going to state the obvious. I'll just say this is the word of the Lord And let's just, I would love it if you would just respond by saying, praise be to God. Let's read Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. It says this, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ the son of the living God. And, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven And he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now the first thing I want us to see from this passage, so very important, is, is this, that right thinking about Jesus shapes the direction of your life all the way through eternity. Now, I want you to put that in perspective. Look at that for a minute. Right thinking about Jesus will shape your life, the the direction of your life, all the way through eternity. Look look at verse 13. Now, now Jesus comes into Caesarea Philippi, and he looks at his disciples and says, who do people say the Son of Man is? And look what they said. They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. It's interesting that most people of the day, they they looked at Jesus and thought, man, they, they thought of him pretty favorably, right? They said he's like one of the prophets. That was respectable for them. I mean, I mean, uh, they, they, this was kind of right. I mean, Jesus was not just one of the prophets. He was the one that, that fulfilled every promise the prophets 
uh, proclaimed about him. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. But, but the prophets, they were the ones that spoke the word of God, right? That's what prophets did. And, and, and when those that heard Jesus teach would say, oh my goodness, when he teaches, he teaches like someone with power and authority. And, 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 and you know, even from the age of 12, Jesus was teaching in the temple and people were like, who is this kid? And, and he would break down the law and it would just resonate. And, and, and they thought, man, he's like one of the prophets. That was kind of right, but not fully right. And, and then, you know, prophets did, they taught. Prophets also did works of, that were unique. Um, some would say miracles. And Jesus did these things that they said, oh my goodness, Nicodemus, remember him, John 3? He comes to Jesus at night and says, all right, Jesus, who are you? No one can do what you, you do unless God were with him. And people were amazed at, at Jesus' life and the, the, the turning water into wine and casting out the demons and, you know, healing people of their sickness. So, so Jesus was this powerful person. And so people said, you're, you're like one of the prophets. Maybe you're like John the Baptist or you're like Elijah. These are respectable terms. But, but, but I think the problem here today is the same problem we have, is most people have good opinions about Jesus, but they don't really believe in him. Now, now I think it's important for us to wrestle with who do you think he is? It's not sufficient to just have high opinions of Jesus. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are really nice people that have high opinions of Jesus, but it's critical to get it right for right thinking about Jesus. And, and, and this is a problem for the church. This is a, a calling we have is to, is to go into the world and help this world understand Jesus rightly. And this is the mission we have. This is why God's planted us here. And this is the calling that the church has all over the world. And let me tell you something. It's amazing to see how people are still getting this right. I mean, we saw in our church a baptism this week of a, of a young lady who was in the first service. And she was baptized, and it was super cool. Right here, she came to Christ. She started seeing Jesus rightly. And the question of who Jesus is I would say, is still the most important for, question for every human being. It's the most important question for you. Who do you say that he is? Who is he? And, and you can't just have a high opinion of him. You've got to see who he is. See what he has done in the world. See how he came into the world. This is why I love what Andrew and Amber are doing over Christmas with our students is, is they do this circus and, and they're, they're putting this circus together, kind of spinning this on its head like Christmas is not a circus. Christmas is the moment that Christ came for you. And it's important for us to get this right and help this community and the people in our lives to understand Jesus rightly. This is the mission of the church. And this is the most important question for you. And that's why Jesus, look at verse 17, he turns it on Peter. He, and he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And, and, and Peter says, look at verse 16, I guess, not 17, 16. Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I think it's interesting how Jesus compares his, this revelation to Peter. He, he compares his earthly father with his heavenly father. He says, hey, look, Peter, your earthly father didn't tell you this. Your heavenly father revealed this to you. And I think he's pointing out something very important. This is a work of God. That's what salvation is. This is why, this is why the, the work of the church will never be stopped. That's why all around the world, people are coming to faith in Christ. And, and in the midst of the chaos of the world, in the midst of the, of the tensions that we feel, and, and, and though sometimes it looks like in the United States of America, we are losing more and more influence, let me tell you something, nothing will stop the work of God because God is still saving people. And here's the thing, God entered the world in this miraculous way. Jesus came in a, in a miraculous way. He lived this life that people looked at him and said it was beyond compare. Nobody lived like him. And, and then, then Jesus went to the cross because there's this old law, this old revelation that none of us would have figured out on our own. Hebrews 9 talks about this, that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That's not something I would have figured out on my own. God revealed that to the world. Jesus came, gave his life for you. He was the sacrifice on the cross for you. You couldn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't get saved because you were just somehow some great person with some great personality. No, Jesus worked in your life, loved you, opened your heart, opened your mind, opened your eyes. And, and then Jesus, he conquered the grave. He rose from the dead. And now his Holy Spirit is working even now. And that's why right now in your life, he's whether you're watching online or in this room. Do you see who he is? Do you see what he's doing right now in you, in the world, in your life? Do you see him? Because here's what God's doing. God is still, still revealing that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. And I want you to see Jesus. And I believe God's put us here to help. He started the church so that the world would see Jesus. And this is why next year I'm, I'm thrilled about what God's doing in our church. And I, and I pray that you mark your calendars Wednesday nights in January, all four of those starting the 10th of January, that you mark those off because we are going to come together and we're going to talk about how to skillfully share the gospel with people in our lives. We've got to be a church that's focused on communicating the message of Christ right here in Matthew 16. You see Peter getting it right. And I just got to say to you, a high opinion about Jesus is not okay. Do you see him? Do you see who he is? Do you know that he is the Christ, the living God, who entered the world to save you from your sin? Look to Jesus.
Matthew 16 is so fascinating. You see that this right thinking about Jesus is, is, has come into view. You also see that, that Jesus is revealed, is the revealed foundation of the church. I want you to look at verse 18. Matthew 16, 18 is one of the most debated scriptures in all the Bible. It's fascinating to, to think about all that has come out in the history of the church on Matthew 16, 18. For example, the, look what it says. He, Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's fascinating because you have Roman Catholicism that, is, that has really come out of, this, of this, this verse right here. Matthew 16, 18, the Roman Catholics, they, they see Jesus looking at Peter going, um, Peter, you are the rock. And they see Peter, Jesus going, Peter, you're the rock, and on you I will build my church. And so do you realize that out of that, this verse comes the papal authority, the rule of the pope comes out of this verse. And in the, the current pope that's in the Vatican, they trace the pope to every pope is traced to the line of Peter. That's what Catholicism believes. That's what Catholics believe, that, that Peter is the rock. Now, you have this little thing that happened in the history of the world called the Protestant Reformation, if you know about history. And, and you have Protestants and Eastern Orthodox that agree together. They go, you know, that's not what we see there. They, and, and, you know, then you have another split on this verse. You see kind of a, a split here because some Protestants and some Eastern Orthodox say, no, it's not Peter that's the rock. It's Peter's confession and his faith that's the rock. And that's a debate. It's a point of debate, debate in, in the church. And, 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 and you know, when, when you look at it, the importance of that confession, that's right, because Jesus says, Peter, you're right, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. But what's the foundation of the church? You know what I think? Though this is probably some of the minority views in all of history, I think, I think what Jesus is doing is saying, hey, Peter, Peter, on this rock, I'm building my church. I think Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is pointing to himself, not to the confession and not to Peter. And I see this, in, I see this biblically. I, I, I think this is, this is important because, you know, in the, in the New Testament, the word rock is used 12 times. And I'm not going to go through all 12 times that it's used. But, but two of the most famous times that I, I think is really interesting is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Jesus says, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And, it's, it, and what is that rock pointing to? It's pointing to Christ. You're wise if you build your life on Christ. You also, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 4, it says this. Peter writes this, as you come to him, the living stone. Peter points to Christ as this stone that is living. And so I really think Peter was watching Jesus not point to him, but point to himself. Because Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone, accepted by men and chosen by God and precious to him, 
you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He points to the fact that Christ is bringing believers together. He's the stone, and then we are also like living stones. And he says, to those who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, a stone that causes men to stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So Peter in his own book points to the fact that the world is going to stumble over Jesus. And when I look at the world we're in, all through history, the world continues to stumble over Jesus. And especially right now in the pressures we face as, hey, you know what? All religions are the same. You Christians that hold to the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven, get up with the times. And here's just the truth. The world will historically stumble over Jesus. Now, this matters. This is a big deal. Why? Well, I think this verse is really important. This matters because our lost world recognizes Christ through the mission of the church. And I look at our time in history and how important it is for us to be focused on the mission that God has set forth in the church. And it's not for us to look internally. It's for us to engage the world. We are on a mission. We are called to go to this world. And when the church is on a mission, the world recognizes Jesus. When we stop fighting each other and we start working together to share the gospel with the world, the world recognizes Jesus. And this matters. Our local church is this beacon of a, of a lighthouse that we're to represent Christ as his ambassadors. This is why as our core values are so important that we say we are standing on the word of God. We worship Christ here. We point the world to him, not to our own selves or our own personalities. We point the world to Jesus. We stay together and we walk together in community and we are going to be ambassadors for Christ. Folks, it's the mission that, the, that God has called us to, to reach this world, to serve this, this, this city, to love people, to work together, to forgive one another. It's like in, the, in John 17, the, the prayer that Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross. In John 17, he prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. He says in verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. In John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And folks, you see all through the Bible, the, the, the call of the church is to point people to Christ. And it's in this mission that is the only hope for the world. It's, only in, it's, only, it's your only hope. And... And look at the second part of verse 18. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Like, like he's at Caesarea Philippi, and, and, and this place was so, it's so interesting to visit because it's got this cliff. Did I mention that earlier? Did I skip that? 
Did I mention the gates of hell? Okay, oh, goodness. Uh, I, the, the, put that picture back up, Carl. Um, because the Caesarea Philippi is one of my favorite places to visit because Jesus travels there. And, he, and it is, this is a, a, like out of the way. He, he had to get there for his disciples. And he, he travels there and he goes to Caesarea. And, and there's this cliff there. And I want you to notice that cliff. It's so very interesting because when you look at that plot of ground, so much spiritual warfare went on there. That, that cliff was historically known and in, in likely in, in, book, in Joshua chapter 12 when they worshiped the god Baal. This was the place that, that was known as one of those meccas of worshiping Baal. Also through uh, Roman history, and they would worship the god Pan here. And, and they would bring children up to that cliff and they would throw children off the cliff in child sacrifices to, to appease the God Pan who didn't even exist. And, and so many horrible things happened here. By this time, Herod had given this place to his son and, and in the backdrop of Jesus standing here was this big shrine to Herod and, and, and the Roman gods. And Jesus travels there and says, I want you to know something. I'm gonna start my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I so wish that, that I could put on spiritual glasses and see the spiritual battle that's going on and watch the spiritual forces of evil as Jesus stands there with, with boldness and power and says, I've come all the way here to let you know, but also the demonic forces in the world to know that I'm starting my church. And even the gates of hell won't stop it. So you know what? If you read our Bible reading today, we, we, if, if you're joining us in our Bible reading, we, been, we read Matthew 24 today. And I hope you've already read that because Matthew 24, verse 6, it talks about the, the last days and what's going to happen. And, and what does it say? Jesus says in Matthew 24, 6, see to it that you are not alarmed when you see all these things going on. I turn on my news, and you know what I see? Matthew 24 going on right in front of my eyes. And Jesus says, see to it that you're not alarmed. You're not afraid. So I look at the world that we're in, I'm not afraid. You know why? Because God has called us to be the church, and the gates of hell itself will not defeat us. How cool is that? This is why I'm grateful I get to be a pastor. This is why I'm grateful we get to gather every week because we're the only place, the only uh, thing that was established by Christ that said the gates of hell won't stop us. Man, I love this. It goes on. When I just see this, this, our church is called to this living mission. And I love the mission of our church. I love the website of our church. I love my email, chris at themission.net. I love the calling that, that our students are called to the mission students and our children are called mission kids. I love that God's called us to build the mission center. Let me tell you something. God's called us to this living mission. Look at verse 19. He says to Peter and the disciples, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now you might go, well, Chris, why did he do that? 
Well, he wasn't living at this time. He, he was preparing the way. He was, it wasn't time for that announcement to be made to the world at that moment. Christ was going to make a big announcement called the cross. And he was preparing them along the way. But let's recognize something. We, we, weren't, we aren't living at this time. We're living at the Great Commission time. The Matthew 28 time, as, as Jesus rose from the dead, he, he was about to enter heaven, and he told his disciples, I want you to go to all the nations, and I want you to baptize them, teaching them everything I've commanded you, and don't be afraid. I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're, we're closer to the end of the age. That's where we are. And that's why we as a church have to be crystal clear on who Jesus is. And we've got to be sold out like Peter saying, Jesus, you are the Christ. And as followers of Jesus, he cannot be mildly important to us. This is the time to be bolder than we've ever been, more faithful than we've ever been, to love the Lord with all we have. Let me tell you, the, the days of, of lukewarm Christianity are just over. Life's too short. And these days are too critical for us to not follow Jesus with all we have. You know, there's, there's a lot of debate on what are the keys of the kingdom? What does that mean? I'm going to lean on Ulrich Zwingli. You ever read anything about him this week? He's an old guy. He's dead now. Uh, he was a reformer famous reformer, he writes this about the keys of the kingdom. The keys are nothing else than this. The preaching of the pure, unfalsified word of the gospel. Whoever believes the gospel will be free of his sins and be saved. Whoever does not believe this will be damned. And here's the point. Jesus reveals that there is a kingdom of hell. And the Bible is so clear that hell is real. And, and there is a spiritual battle going on. And it is costly. And, and this is why, as a church, we've got to be focused. And, and, and it's, it's through the church that Christ himself builds. He builds the church through all of history. Christ is going to build the church. This is why I'm not surprised to see people coming to faith in Christ. I'm not surprised today that, that this will cost me five bucks, but that Brady left his deer stand today and is in church. Uh, God saves people and changes people. And, and look, by golly, Christ is at work and Jesus is saving people. And he's done this all through history and he's going to do it until the end of the age. This is why you can be confident when you share the gospel with your family, your friends, your neighbors. Because it's God who's working. It's God who's speaking. See, the mission of Christ is accomplished through the church. This is what God has called the church to do, to be on mission, to, to live for him. The church is this demonstration of God's power to the world. This is why we're not defeated. We're not crawling in a hole. No, God's working in us, and, and even in the midst of chaos and difficulty, and, and, and here's what I found, even as I saw Harrison yesterday and prayed with him and, and sat next to him and his wife, look, we're watching God work in power in the midst of this battle with cancer. Uh, uh, you know, we watched God use, move powerfully yesterday in Teal's life. A little beautiful six-year-old girl in our church, pray for Teal, pray for the Esmires. They are in our church, and she had to be flown immediately yesterday to St. Jude because she was in so much pain. But look, we watched God provide a flight for her. We watched the Lord just get her there quickly as her dad got there last night safely. 
But you know what we're, we're finding? We're finding God's given us strength in the midst of challenges. And this is what it looks like when you follow Jesus. That it's in the difficulties that God shows up and God strengthens and God provides. And, and this is why we are in the Word of God as a church. Because it's through the church, this is the necessary environment for spiritual growth. If you want to grow up in your faith, be involved in the church. If you want to grow in your understanding of the Word of God, it's in the church that that happens. And, and it's in the church where, where you see personal, knowable, and powerful support for you in your life. For believers, this is why I love being a part of the church. This is why I love what God's doing in our groups Many of you have studied this passage already. You've been in your group and you've, you've been in the middle of this passage. And, and look, it's through the church that we hold hands together and we make a difference in the world. That's why we pour our lives into what God's doing here. That's why as a pastor, I, I love serving in ways around our nation. But look, my primary calling is to serve this community, to, to walk alongside of you pointing the world to Christ. That's why Christmas is coming up and the Christmas season is shifted. Did you feel it? Did you feel it yesterday? The Christmas season shifting? Felt that at my house. You know why? My wife had me working my tail off decorating the Christmas tree. Did you feel it today? As we just sweetly shifted, oh come let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. That was incredible. You know what I pray for our church this Christmas? That we look at our community and we go, hey, come here. Let's look at Jesus. That's why next weekend is full for us. Starting our Christmas season, turning our face to Jesus. That's why we're doing parties not just a, not because we're, we're bored and we don't have anything to do. No, we're helping people see Jesus, children and students. That's why God's called us to this place, to this time, to help the world see Jesus. And let's not forget that the kingdom of hell itself won't prevail against us. Why? Because Jesus is the rock that we stand on. He's called us by name. He loves you. He loves me. But I want you to make sure you turn your face. Look at verse 15. Because I don't want us to miss verse 15, that critical question. When, when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, but who do you say that I am? You, you know, the answer to that question will have drastic effect all the way through eternity for every human being. Who do you say that he is? In this passage, you see a very clear revelation that there is a kingdom of hell. You might be going, oh, great. You're going old school Baptist hellfire and brimstone preacher on you. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible is very gracious. God has been very gracious to the world to reveal that hell is real. 
to, to help us see all through history that there is a spiritual battle that is real. And you've got to have more than just a high opinion of Jesus. You've got to see him right. Is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord? Is he king? Is he the one you've submitted to, the one that you've trusted in for your salvation? And you might be going, are you trying to scare me? No. But I'll tell you something about me if you don't know me. If you've never been to my office and seen my eclectic office, my life has been drastically impacted by sudden tragedy. And you know what that's done for me? It's caused me to live with this real urgency in my life. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I got to tell you, if you walk out of here today and you just have a high opinion about Jesus, but you don't really see what God is revealing through his word, through his Holy Spirit today, that Jesus is the only way to heaven for you, He's your only hope in this life and the next. If you walk out of here today going, yeah, uh, I'm, that's not important. I'll be honest with you. You ought to be scared. And I'm just trying to be faithful today. There's not a better way to make the shift from Thanksgiving to the Christmas season than getting Jesus right. Do you know him? Joe's going to come and we're going to have an invitation. And I, we have some people that will pray with you. And in fact, our prayer team, I would like you to go around the room. David, if you, your team, let's go around the room. And as... I just want you to know there's men and women. They're, they're at the back. They're at the side. I know it's difficult to sometimes come down front. Though, look, this is the safest place on the planet for you to respond to Jesus. That's been the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, to turn to Jesus. And the greatest thing I've done today in my life is turn to Jesus. This morning when I got up, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you today. You need him. Look, there's people that pray with you, carry the burden with you. That's why the church is here. That's why we have groups. That's why we are in this place. That's why we're around you in your life. That's why we live near you and your family. Because we're just like you. We need the Lord every day. So let us minister to you and if, don't leave today without getting that right. Go to one of these people and notice them. Maybe you can go after church today. That's okay. That happens all the time. Go after church. In fact, I want you to stand right where you are. And let's ask the Lord to just move today. Lord Jesus, we love you. We need you. I thank you for this passage that helps us see you rightly would you help us this Christmas to point this community and people around us and our families and our coworkers, our neighbors,
Help us point people to you. I love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.